And as you're being seated, please turn in your Bibles to the book of Judges. A 20... I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I heard an audible sigh of relief as Shella announced that our reading was in Malachi. That's right. Well, we are here in this season of Advent, and, and one of the major themes throughout the season is, is the call upon the church to participate in the biblical story of Israel and enter into their longing, their waiting, their expectation of the Messiah. The biblical story of Israel is one, as we'll see in just a few minutes, is one of longing, it's one of desire, it's one of expectation, it's one of waiting, waiting for the fulfillment of God's promises. And so in Advent, Advent is a word in Latin that means coming, but in Advent, one of the primary things that we as followers of Jesus Christ are called to do is something that's very difficult for us to do. In Advent, we are to wait. And we'll see that Advent, uh, the waiting of Advent is an active waiting. But folks, I think we uh, can recognize uh, th- th- what we're going to spend a few minutes here talking about is we're, we're, we can all recognize, I think, just how difficult it is to wait. And I think we can recognize just how easy it is to actually ignore Advent and ignore this period of time in which we're called to wait. It's easy to ignore. It's easy to ignore because in a, from a big picture perspective, sort of a, a meta reason, if we can use that term, uh, we have compressed time in our culture. What I mean by that is Advent, quite frankly, is skipped over, right? We go from uh, Independence Day, the 4th of July, to, to Labor Day, and then shortly after Labor Day, Halloween decorations come out, if not before, and then on October 31st, the day of Reformation, we skip from Halloween to Christmas. We don't even pause to let the turkey have his due before the fat man comes intruding upon our social consciousness, right? Time compression. And so we skip directly from Halloween, maybe early uh, November, we skip directly to Christmas without even paying attention, without even pausing for Advent. And so if we live in a culture in in which our time is compressed, it's going to be hard for us to slow down. And if we live in a culture, and we do, in which the loud and the large are given to intrude upon the small and the quiet, then it's easy for us to ignore Advent. Because Advent's work is primarily in the small and the quiet. Advent is not a loud or large season. The deepest and most profound bits of it are in the small and the quiet, and yet in a meta picture, we live in a culture that gives us distractions that vie for our attention in every realm of our lives, and because Advent is the season that requires intention and attention, it can be easy to ignore. I think the second reason Advent is easy to ignore is quite more uh, personal. It's, it's actually sort of individual, as it's, a, it's an issue that arises within us. You see, Advent is easy to ignore because it demands that we do something which we do not naturally do, something, in fact, that we actually naturally tend 
to avoid. We don't really have the capacity, and maybe it is that we don't even really have the desire to sit quietly and wait. We are an impatient people, and so we like the compression of time. We are an impatient people, and so we like the loud to intrude upon the small. We like the large to intrude upon the quiet, because we like to be distracted. And as much as we may protest and as much as we may complain about this compression and these distractions, the truth is quite simple. We are distracted. We really can't avoid distraction without being intentional about it. And in all honesty, we're not intentional about it. And so, quite frankly, we want it to be this way. Distraction allows our world, it allows us to avoid introspection. Distraction allows us to avoid matters of significance. Distraction allows us to avoid the small and the quiet. Distracted by the intrusion of the loud and the large, we easily ignore Advent and thus avoid the small and the quiet. And notice what one author, his name is Alan Noble, notice what he says are the effects of distraction and busyness upon our faith. He writes that a distracted age presents beliefs as fragile fragmented, internal, changing, individual preferences. This conception of belief is supported by the effects of our secular age. And together, these trends create a barrier of, to belief in the transcendent, exclusive gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's no wonder that Advent is so easy to ignore. External distractions become accomplices to our internal desire to avoid, and they act like Novocaine. Knowing our souls through the work of the Holy Spirit. A season like Advent is easy to ignore because it's the exact opposite of a time compression. Rather than speed up, it asks us to slow down. It's the exact opposite of distraction. Rather than uh, being like a dog chasing a squirrel or uh, something shiny, we are asked to focus on something. It's easy to ignore because it offers something that is unwanted, the small and the quiet. But even though the unwanted is what is offered, it is the unwanted, the small and the quiet, that is most profoundly needed. It's precisely because of what uh, this, uh, the easy tendency to ignore Advent, it's precisely because of that that we need what Advent has to offer. And so let's stop and let's, let's pay attention. Let's pay attention to the story of Scripture, the story of the Old Testament and the New. Let's stop and let's pay attention. Let's enter in with Israel into its longing and its waiting. Abraham was called and set apart by God to be the father of a nation that would be a blessing to all the nations of the world. Formed through the events of the Exodus and in the giving of God's law, the people of Israel entered into the land promised to Abraham, and they established residence. And by God's grace and by God's provision, there they built a kingdom. All along the way, God called, God pleaded even for the people of Israel to be faithful to him, to worship him alone. He was at work through prophets, and he was at work through some of their kings to lead the people of Israel to faith in him and to obedience to him. And over the course of time in the history of Israel, God made promises God gave warnings that a very specific Savior, a very specific individual referred to as Messiah, means anointed, that he would be sent by God to bring Israel to its fullness, that he would establish God's kingdom upon the earth. 
But Israel's story is tragic. Even having the grace of God, the provision of God, the kingdom of God, even having the promises of God, the story of Israel is one of decline. And so it was that by the year 586 B.C., the nation of Israel no longer functionally existed. A large portion of the people had been scattered abroad by the Assyrians a century and a half earlier, and another portion had been taken into exile in Babylon. But even in the scattering, and even in exile, that promise that God had made of a Messiah to come persisted, became stronger. In the course of time and in the providence of God, the people of Israel were released from their Babylonian captivity, and they returned to their home. And again, God made promises through the mouths of prophets. God promised prosperity. God promised expansion. God promised wealth. God promised peace. And God promised his own glorious presence. The people rebuilt the city of Jerusalem under the leadership of Nehemiah and Ezra. The temple itself was rebuilt. And while far from its former glory, the people of Israel were once again in the land God had given them, worshiping in God's ordained way. And the people had seemingly done their part. Now God needed to do His. And yet, as we see in the book of Malachi, as we see there, the promises God had made were not fulfilled. There was no prosperity. There was certainly no expansion of territory, and there was no wealth. Even more, though the temple had been rebuilt, God's Shekinah glory had not filled it as he had in the days of Solomon. In Malachi's day, the people are asking the question, where was God? Where is he? Malachi the prophet comes upon the scene most likely near the end of Nehemiah and Ezra's servant leadership to address the people of Israel with God's word, to call them to faithfulness, to call them to obedience, to answer the question, where is God? This is the question that Malachi directly deals with in Malachi chapter 2, verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, how have I wearied him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? The people of Israel were disappointed. They saw the lack of fulfillment. They saw evil around them and within them, and they concluded that God must actually like the evildoers. And so they wondered, where is God and his justice? Their question reveals a state of their hearts as their question reveals a basic lack of trust in God and in God's sovereignty. And this verse from Malachi chapter 2 serves as an introduction to God's response and God's declaration in chapter 3, which we heard Shelo read this morning. The people want to know, where is the God of justice? God responds by saying, I'm coming. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant whom you, in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Here in Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, we have the promise of two persons. The advent of two persons, the coming of two persons. The first is the messenger who will come before, and the second is the Messiah himself. 
The messenger whose job it is to prepare the people morally and spiritually for the coming of the Messiah is promised by God. And the Messiah, who is like a refiner's fire and fuller soap, will come after him to purify some sinners and to bring judgment upon others. This is a promise of God through the prophet Malachi. And the people heard, and then they waited. And then they waited. Following Malachi was a period, a long period of prophetic silence, some 450 years actually. Of course, this does not mean that God went on a long vacation for 450 years. He didn't just put his toes in the sand in Bermuda. God was still at work in and through history, but God's last words to Israel through the mouth of a prophet had to do with Messiah's coming and the messenger before him, and then they waited. This morning as I left my neighborhood on my way to the church facilities, I, I couldn't help but notice the, the corpses of inflatable Christian or inflatable Christmas decorations on the front yards. The timers uh, had turned off, and so the little fans had shut down, and so they deflated. And there they were, like victims of some violent crime laid out flat. Israel... And that's 450 years is like that corpse of an inflatable Christmas decoration. Waiting until the time where the timer would kick back on, the lights would come on, the little motor that inflates them would fill them full of life again. And here in the season of Advent, I don't think we're that much different. In those 450 years, let's see how God was at work. God was at work actually through Alexander the Great, believe it or not. The people waited and they longed for the Messiah. Alexander the Great conquered most of the known world, spreading the Greek language and culture. As the people waited and they, they longed for the Messiah, they expected him, they cried out to God, send the king. Rome rose to dominate the international political scene and spread its Pax Romana. As the people waited and longed for the Messiah, pretenders rose up and were put down with brutal efficiency. Longing and expectation ebbed and flowed. Rulers came and rulers rose and rulers fell. And as the people waited, they longed for the Messiah because he had not yet come. The messenger had not yet come. The Messiah was still over the horizon. And then the prophetic silence was shattered as the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. This, as Daryl Bach explains, describes the coming of clear revelation and direction from God. In language reminiscent of the call of the Old Testament prophets, John is directed to begin his ministry. But more than the call of any Old Testament prophet, what is present for Luke is the beginning of the epic of fulfillment. The prophetic silence is shattered by the call of one in the wilderness shouting, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The inflatable corpse begins to be filled as the messenger and the Messiah arrive. Now, what are we to make of this? And what are we to do with this? Let's go back to our beginning just for a moment. The call for the church in the season of Advent is enter into the story of Israel and long and wait for a Messiah. But in our modern context, we compress time and we allow the loud and the large to intrude upon the small and the quiet. And so we ignore it. We seemingly do not have the capacity or the desire to sit quietly and to wait. We are an impatient people, and so we like the compression of time. We are an impatient people. We like the loud to attrune upon the small and the quiet. We like to be distracted. 
And as much as we may protest and complain about this, we like it this way. Advent is that season of time where like those corpses of inflatable Christmas decorations, we need to be filled back up. And yet we allow distractions, we allow busyness to get in the way that we ignore what God wants to do. More than four in ten Christians around the world say they often or always rush from task to task. And about six in ten Christians say that it's often or always true that the busyness of life gets in the way of developing my relationship with God. Advent's easy to ignore because it's the exact opposite of time compression. It's the exact opposite of distraction. It's the exact opposite of the busyness that we allow to get in the way of our relationship with God. And yet in our distracted age, we need what Advent has to offer. The barriers to belief in the transcendent, exclusive gospel of Jesus Christ need to be broken down. That doesn't happen through more loud and large. It happens through small and quiet. And we need to allow the period of waiting to take hold and have its effect upon us. Here again, our collect from this morning, our prayer for the day. Merciful God, who sent your messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation, give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins, that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. The call of Advent is patiently waiting, to actively and patiently wait by repenting and forsaking of sins, by slowing down, by having actual introspection, which requires some level of disengagement from the hub and the bub, an intentional setting aside of the things that distract us. Author Jan Richardson puts it this way, the season of Advent means there is something in the horizon the likes of which we have never seen before. What is possible is not to see it, to miss it, to turn just as it brushes past you. So stay, sit, linger, Tarry, ponder, wait, behold, and wonder. Very practically. Let's talk very practically this morning about how we might free ourselves, disengage ourselves from distraction of the hub and the bub that we may enter into the story of Israel and expect and long for the Messiah. Very practically, let me give you just one thing. The simple thing that we can do is first recognize that we carry our distractions in our pockets. According to an article from the MIT Technology Review, the average American spends almost 24 hours a week online, most of that through the use of the smartphone. Just think about that. One day out of the week we spend online. The average American, that means there's some that do it more and some, of course, that do it less. A June article in the PC Mag reported that daily time spent on a smartphone in 2017 rose to 3.3 hours. Another article I read this past week, one from England, reported that 65% of adults check their phone within five minutes of getting out of bed, and through the course of the day, they check it every 12 minutes. The younger you are, the more often you check it. That's one thing that distracts us. Who has time to consider the quiet work of Advent when Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Netflix, and Candy Crush demands one's attention? 
Very practically, what if during this season we began the day with prayer and not with checking our Facebook feed? What if during this season we spend time in the scripture readings of Advent instead of scrolling through our Instagram accounts? What if during this season we enjoy silence instead of the screen? What if during this season we seek God and His work in our prayers, in the scriptures, and in the quiet silence? What if rather than being numbed by the novocaine of distraction, we are sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit, to the worship of God, the celebrate, celebration of the sacraments ordained by God, the worship of God, and the prayers given to God? What if during this season we gave up the large and the loud for the small and the quiet? So let us long for the Messiah to come in a very personal and intimate way. Let us enter into the story of Israel as they longed for and expected the coming of the Messiah. Let us long for Jesus to break in upon us in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in a refreshing way during this season of Advent. Let's not ignore it. Let's embrace it and long for Christ. Engage in the Word of God. This season of Advent, let us slow down, stop even, and prayerfully meditate upon where we need Christ to break in upon us. During this season of Advent, let us prepare for the coming of the King, that we may greet His coming with joy. I've said this to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy and gracious God, we do praise you and give you thanks. You are at work in this world. We pray for eyes to see and ears to hear the small and the quiet ways you are trying to break in upon us in our busyness, in our distractions, in our compression. In your grace, we pray that you would continue to be at work. In your grace, we pray that we would slow down and see you. Prepare us for the coming of the King. For his glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and continue our worship as we respond with singing.